Before we start today's episode, I have a question for you. Have you ever wondered what the future holds for customer success? I have, and I have seen it, and I will tell you that it looks amazing. Check out CS Connect Crystal Ball of Customer Success 2024 report. This report is more than just a read. It's a roadmap to the future of customer success, packed with trends to watch, practices to adopt, and expert wisdom. Plus, you won't want to miss their book recommendation to level up your game, do you? Find the link in the About section of this episode and start your journey into the future. See you there. is unlocking the power of voice of the customer framework. What is that? Why is it so important? Why do we have to actually have a whole structure to um, gather customer feedback and take action on it? And that's what we're going to talk about today. And today we have an amazing guest. But before we go into who is our guest and we go into the basics of this and talking about why is it actually feedback so important for an organization, Nav, how's everything over there in Sydney? Very good, mate. Beautiful Saturday morning. So um, don't usually do this on Saturday mornings, but I am glad to be up nice and early to enjoy the, the weather in the morning here at Bayron. Thank you. Oh, so it's Saturday. We have to pay some extras then? I need to yeah, talk to it's, our it's, a, it's, it's time and a half. It's a time and a half today, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, okay, you're going to do this for this? minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So our guest today, I know that you're already, you're seeing, if you're on YouTube, you're already seeing him. But I will do this just because it's part of the podcast and I, I know you love going into the background of our guest. And today's guest is Andrew Mark, who has spent 25 years of experience building high effective post sales organization that drives customer life, uh, lifetime value and improve customer satisfaction, of course. But he has a lot of years, but also a lot of passion. And I noticed this when talking and also getting into all of the Success Hacker uh, webinars. Um, Andrew Mark is the founder, or one of the founders, sorry, of Success Hacker, which produced success coaching training programs built for customer-facing professionals who wants to be better at what they do and they want to accelerate their career. And I'm one of them. And I, I do have to admit that I, I, don't ha I haven't finished yet. I'm, that's work on the progress. But thank you, Andrew, for being here with us today. No, thanks for having me. Uh, I, I love talking about uh, customer success, and you know, I am, uh, as you mentioned, uh, I'm, I'm the uh, I'm the co-founder of Success Hacker, and uh, uh, the the uh, primary kind of chief product officer of our <laughs> of our training program. Uh, so I I talk about customer success every single day, uh, and uh, and I write uh, develop a lot of content. Mm -hmm. uh, all geared towards teaching people like yourself how to serve your customers better. Right, right. I have I learned a lot, but I have to ask something personal, Andrew. Do you dream with customer success at this stage? Do I dream? <laughs> you know, there's probably a little bit of uh, customer success in everything that I dream, uh, but I do try to I do try to to, to, to compartmentalize that to to my day my daylight hours. Uh, but, uh, I mean, really everything that we do in our lives, there's a, there's an element of customer success when you think yeah. about it. 
right? Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah. It really is, and and I'm constantly picking those things up. And as a matter of fact, I am a, I am a, I am every company's. I, I can be their greatest asset, but I can be their worst fear as well because, you know, doing what I do and teaching people what I teach after you know doing it and running these teams for so long, um, I'm one of those people, one of those few that will actually stop and say, hey, you know what? What you're doing right now with me as a customer is not going well. And I'll give them yeah. some, some, some free advice. Uh, oh. and, and that's a lot more than, than what your typical customer wants to do. And, and quite frankly, this mm-hmm. Voice of the Customer Framework topic is really relevant to that. Yeah. It is one of my right. favorite topics, indeed. Indeed. Amazing. Um, so maybe let's just start with, uh, I guess, uh, understanding, you know, what a voice of the customer framework looks like. So what, you know, what is it, Andrew? What exactly makes a voice of customer framework and, and why is it so essential for uh, CES teams? So, okay, so think of, think of a, a voice of the customer framework as the ears of your company. It's really how you listen to what your customers are telling you and not just what they're saying. And it's all about picking up on the direct feedback that they give you through surveys, the hints they drop on social media, the actions they take that speak volumes about their satisfaction. And for a customer success team, voice of the customer is like a treasure map, right? It shows you where to dig to find value by highlighting what's working and what's not. And that's straight from your customer's mouths. It's, it's about turning I wish it could into I love how it does, right, for customers. And that means knowing them better then they know themselves sometimes. Now, a solid voice of the customer program can put you leagues ahead of your competition. It, it's, it's what tells you if your latest feature is a hit or if it's time to go back to the drawing board. And, and, and let's not forget growth. I mean, real feedback leads to real improvements, which leads to customers sticking around longer and spending more. And that's what we're doing here. Right? It doesn't matter what business you're in, whether it's a subscription business or not. It's cheaper to keep your customers. This is, we, we, we're playing a, a long game here. Right? We're trying to drive customer lifetime value. Like a, good, a, good, a great example that everybody can relate to, regardless of, of where you're in. Remember when a, a major streaming service, Netflix, added the mm-hmm. skip intro button? Right? Oh. That was voice of the customer in action. They, they listened, they implemented, they made binge watchers everywhere a little happier. Even though that skip, it, skip intro, is, it skips you know, 20, 30 seconds. I use it all the time. Yeah, me too. I should wait I'm a little bit, though. Yeah. <laughs> I should relax and enjoy. Well, I mean, there's only so many times I need to see the intro of Loki, right? So I hit yeah. the skip intro button, right? Especially when they're really long intros as well. If it's only a couple exactly. of seconds, it's fine. But like, some of exactly. them are like a minute long. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, it's, it's not always smooth sailing. Uh, so you've got to mm-hmm. sit through a lot of noise to find the real insights. But when you do it right, um, by keeping your feedback channels clear and not getting sidetracked by the one-off comments, you know, you can make some serious improvements to your product or service. And it's, it's one thing to collect all this feedback, but the real magic happens when you act on it, right? Keeping mm-hmm. your offerings fresh and relevant plus it's about keeping the conversation going right so today's wow's wow factor is tomorrow's standard features so mm-hmm. you know you you, you can't you, you can never stop listening make sense yeah absolutely um one of the things that um i i've been 
working with all pretty much all the CS teams I've worked with um, is um, implementing like uh, some version of a customer advisory board, especially when it comes to you know product roadmaps, because a lot of customers would buy into a SaaS product, especially you know a smaller one in the market um, that's that's purely SaaS based, based on the idea that it's not just going to be value as is, it's going to be value to be, right? And and that value to be is what the CSM's job is to you know try and prove to them to align with what they're trying to do from a customer's perspective. So um, when I, when there are these product teams that um, have all these amazing features that are coming out in the next 12 to 24 months, we, we don't have a way of sharing that with our customers to actually get them excited about what the next two years of the product looks like. It really frustrates me. And there are lots of you know, product teams that keep that very close to their, you know, their hearts and don't want to um, show that to the customer. I'm like, I understand right. there are going to be things that change, but what we're right. actually creating is this buy-in into the product and into the company for two years from now. Guess what? Renewals become that much easier if yeah. you've already got the customer excited about what's going to be coming out in two years. They're thinking, well, yeah, you know, we've got something that we talked about that's going to come out that they you know, listen to us about two years from now. Of course, we're going to renew to see that come through, right? Well, and if you're, if you're doing customer success right, you're setting expectations from the, from the outset correctly, right? So yeah, it's, it's foolish to think that every single customer that we sign is going to be a perfect fit. Right, Absolutely. so you, you will have bad fit customers. Hopefully, you don't have terribly bad fit customers, but you're going to have bad fit customers. You know, and, and and next week, actually, in my coaching, one of my coaching cohorts, we're going to be talking about renewals and expansions, and this is one of the core tenets of of renewal and expansion, and that is, are we setting expectations right? And one of those expectations is that, hey, you know what, we we appreciate that you're doing business with us, but we want to be upfront and say there are some gaps. And through your buy-in and your guidance and your input, we're going to be able to fill those gaps, right? But to your point, if I've got something, if I've been upfront and honest and open with my customers, and, yeah. and, and I'm saying from the get-go, here are the gaps, right? But we're going to fill those over the next 18, 24 months. To your point, you've got a carrot that it, as long as you follow through with those, those those yeah. commitments, right? You've got a carrot to to lead them through that that renewal process. Yeah, absolutely. What what I love about this as well, it's like this is one of my favorite topics. And what I love about it is that when I implement this in the last company where I was at, I notice the benefits also when it comes to collaboration with other teams, because you have to also it's not only you as a customer success manager doing everything, right, is you collecting that information and then taking that voice inside of the organization and from there start spreading it out with other departments. So I noticed how um, it, it came in with the collaboration side of stuff and I started learning as well how other people think, how the engineers think, how the product managers think and it's like start debating and start, getting, and start talking about why should we implement this or not. It's so interesting that um, the, the, actually, there's a study by Success Hacker that says that 59% of companies believe that the voice of the customer strategy will reduce customer churn, and that's a high number, to be honest. Yeah, but and, and but once again, how many? And if you remember from the training, how many of those companies have actually implemented voice of the customer strategies? What is it like? <laughs> I think I think it's like 10%. I think it's, it's really low. Right, they so they know, know that nearly two thirds of the companies know that this is going to benefit them, and they still haven't implemented the strategy yet. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, yeah that's the problem when 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 we interview our teacher, right? 
But you know, I love I love that you, uh, Bayron. I love that you 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 pointed that out. That 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 collaboration, right? Yeah, so yeah. You, you talked about you talked essentially about empathy, right? Mm-hmm. And and it's something that we don't touch on until the end of level two. But so you're 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 not there yet. But we talk about the importance of of working well with others within your organization, right. and you're using some of the same muscles and skills that you should be using when you're interacting with your customers. Yeah. Right. So empathy and active listening and understanding what what's in it for me, what's in it for them. Right. The better we understand. You know, in, in customer success, the better we understand our customers, the better we're going to be able to serve them. It's the same thing for people within our own organization. The better we understand, you know, what makes those people tick, what motivates them, what their objectives are, what their desired outcomes are, the better we're going to work together. Yeah. A lot of be curious as well. And, um, yes. yeah, yeah, it's... If there's someone who wants to start kind of implementing a voice of the customer framework, but they're asking themselves, where should we start? Like, which are the main components of a customer uh, voice of the customer framework? Which are the main four, five? So, so I'm sorry, go ahead. Nav, did you have something to add? No, no, no go okay. ahead. I just right. want to mute just to cough. <laughs> okay. Uh, so... Imagine your voice to the customer as a high-tech listening device, right? So the first piece, direct feedback. So right. like surveys or interviews. Actually, I was just on a uh, web, 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 uh, our own webinar yesterday with my, my friend Steve Bernstein, um, who is with uh, Waypoint Group, and he said, don't call them surveys. People don't like surveys. So let's call them <laughs> assessments, right? But uh, assessments, interviews, where customers tell you straight up, here's what I love or here's what bugs me. And then... Then there's the indirect feedback, right? That's where you need to play some, you you have to do some detective work, right? You're looking at reviews and social media chatter, support ticket trends to see what customers might not be saying directly to you, but they're feeling. And then you need to kind of read between the lines, right? You, that, that inferred feedback is all about kind of Sherlock Holmes level insight, right? You, you deduce what customers want by examining how they use your product or service, which features do they use the most? Which ones do they ignore? Right, that's that's all gold, and you you can't forget to zoom out and see the market context. What's the economy doing? What are the emerging trends? How does all of this impact what customers expect from you? And mm-hmm. then you know, technology is your sidekick here. You've got your analytical tools, your CR, CRM software, maybe some fancy AI that helps you make sense of of all the data, and and you know. The, the kind of dynamic duo of voice of the customer is quality and quantity. You need both quality and quantity. It's not just about getting tons of feedback, but getting the kind you can use to yeah. make intelligent changes. And the critical part, which a lot of people forget, whether it's voice of the customer or other things, is closing the loop, right? Mm-hmm. It's one thing to collect all of this intel. But it's another to circle back to customers and say, we heard you, and here's what we're doing about it. I, 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 like, I like to uh, think of the time when we were working with a SaaS company that saw users struggling with a feature and couldn't figure out why. So they sent out a survey, an assessment, and they followed that up with some user testing sessions. And bam, they realized the feature was great, but yeah. their instructions were as clear as mud. Right, so they fix that, and usage just skyrocketed, and that is voice of the customer 
at its finest. Action, yeah. Yeah, I think that's uh, and that's so apt because um, uh, and, and so a lot of uh, a lot of organizations think that you know um, success comes out of just looking at usage data without actually you know getting the the um, real sentiment from their customers. Um, I worked in an organization where um, usage for your clients looked extremely good and. Um, one of the things that was on the roadmap that they kept pushing out was uh, was something that customers have been asking for, but not really understanding what the impact was, um, because the usage was great in the system. So you know, what's the problem, right? Um, turns out every time, so I, I called a few customers to understand, you know, like what are their pain points, and it turns out they upload documents into the system, then they download it every time they want to work on it. They use it. They do pretty much ninety percent of their workflow through uh, Microsoft Word. And then when they're done, they re-upload it. So it looks like there's a lot of, you know, documents being saved and things like that, but the bulk of what they're supposed to be doing, they're not doing in the system. And uh, this is because they don't, they don't like open office, which is what was embedded into the, um, into the solution. And instead wanted a Microsoft, you know, um, like office online integration, but that had been pushed out on the roadmap for years at that point. So when we actually dug, you know, deep into our customer base, we realized, uh, uh, material majority of the customers were actually doing exactly this, which meant that we look at usage and we think, oh, this looks really good and we're, you know, we've got a great product. But the reality is that you're pretty much, you know, on the verge of uh, losing a lot of these customers if one other solution comes into the market with um, uh, Microsoft's uh, integration, we're done for. Because that's one of the only things that we need to be thinking about right now. Well, yeah, it looks like you're you're, you're looking you're looking at it usage. You're looking at only one aspect of it. Yeah. Right. And to your point, as soon as somebody comes along with something better, they're going to bail. So it was good for you to go deeper and really understand because because you got you, you have basically had this you, you you had this false sense of security. Hey, <laughs> exactly. usage is up, right? But we need to understand the context behind that, and yeah. you're never going to. Do that through looking just at, you know, machine-generated data. You gotta go talk to people. It's so important, especially in um, industries where the the products are, are you know require are required for compliance, and it becomes part of the policy. Everyone's going to use it because it's part of the policy. That doesn't necessarily mean they're happily using it, and that's right. where you need to understand if they're actually happy with your product or they're just using it because the company forces them to. Yeah, yeah. Just because they're using you, just because they come to you the risk that you always have and it will come we we had we have we have another customer really large name that you would recognize that um has an offering and we're not going to go into specifics because i don't want to i don't want to get any i don't want to provide enough detail to expose who they are uh but they're in a very um they're in a very comfortable position because they are a name brand i mean they literally are like fortune 25 right they are mm. a name brand that's the only thing they've got going for them. Their onboarding process is an absolute goat rodeo. I mean, it's horrible, <laughs> right? It's like it's like trying to herd cats. It is just such a and 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 the reason why they keep their customer base is because they are the only ones that do this. Yeah. And I had conversations with their management. I said, "Listen, I'm, I, there's only so much that I can do." To train your team on how to remove, you know, how to how to how to create as frictionless of a process as possible, but at the end of the day, as soon as somebody comes along, or if somebody comes along, and they offer have any offering close to what you're offering, you're going to lose them. 
They're going to be a big chow chow. And you are going to be surprised by it. You are going to be absolutely shocked by it. Because, and it's going to happen quickly, right? People are going to bail left and right, and there's going to be nothing. You, you could lose half your business overnight. Right. And Yikes. Yeah. This brings into what people are waiting for, because we have, Andrew, we have been talking about customer feedback and voice of the customer, but this is just starting and people are also waiting for the challenges. So it's time to go into today's challenges. Okay. Challenge number one, which is actually about gathering actionable feedback. And you touched already on this, but we want to go deep into it. And it's always complicated when you have so much um, feedback from customers. Uh, when you already have so many channels open, when you are act actively collecting that feedback, but how do you actually make sure that the quality of that feedback is the right one? How do you make sure which feedback you can prioritize? Yeah, that's it's it's like look, it's like it's the needle in the haystack, right? It's like looking for yeah. that proverbial needle, right? Sometimes there's just there's just too much feedback, and not all of it points to clear actions. And sorting through it to find what really matters can be daunting. So you want to make sure that you're not just hearing the loudest voices because it's easy to pay attention to the most vocal customers. But sure. finding a way to hear from the quieter ones, right? Now, that's, mm. that's a challenge. Ever, yeah. Did you ever play telephone as a kid? Right? What starts out as one message can end up as something completely different when it gets to the last uh, yeah. person. Yeah, right? Yeah. So ensuring feedback is captured accurately without misinterpretation is trickier than it seems. Um, but here's the thing about feedback. It ages like fish, not wine. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, 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 it's only as good as its shelf life. Right. So gathering yeah. and acting on feedback quickly enough so that it's still relevant can feel like a race against time. The other thing you need to remember is that bias is the enemy of good data, right? So you've got to watch out for your own assumptions clouding what you act what's what you've actually been told. And 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 then, you know, there's confirmation bias, right? Only hearing what you want to. So you need to be and this is something that people in customer success, you know, have the c capacity to to handle because of that EQ, right? Part of EQ is self-awareness, right? So mm -hmm. You need to be aware of bias, right? So that you're not, you know, getting sucked into uh, into that uh, that 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 bias hole. But but crafting an action plan is one thing, and and executing it that's where a lot of VOC efforts hit a wall, right? So aligning cross-functional teams to act on the feedback often often involves hurdling over silos and bureaucracy. And once again, this is where collaboration and understanding. You know, empathizing with your teammates, your engineering folks, your product folks, and all that stuff yeah. is going to become uh, important. And once again, I've talked before about um, closing that feedback loop, right? It's essential. Customers need to see that their feedback has led to change or they're going to stop giving it. I actually wrote down here that they might stop giving. No, they will stop giving. They will. Of course. They will stop giving. Um, so... Another example of a company that that, uh, that we worked with, um, uh, there was this company one time that launched a new product feature based on customer feedback, and they thought that they nailed it, 
but it turns out they'd only listen to a smaller segment of their user base. And the broader market didn't need or want that feature, and it flopped, right? And that was a hard lesson in ensuring representative feedback. And what we had in that situation was we had, we had confirmation bias, right? We had a product team. We had a, a product manager that was all hot and bothered about this feature because they had some personal experience. And so they, you know, they, they, got, they picked and choose how they would ask the questions, and they found a cohort of, of, uh, of um, uh, uh, customers that uh, were good fits for the feature. And it's not that they didn't use the feature, but they put a lot of effort into a feature that ended up really addressing the needs of a real small sliver of their customer base. And they would have been um, much better off yeah. Uh, trying to release features, important features that uh, were beneficial to a much broader uh, uh, segment of their customer population. There are some great tools out there to, to embed within your the workflows um, to actually understand what's important to customers. Things like product board and things, you know, where um, you can you can lay out sort of the features that the customer the product team is planning on building, and then having the customers actually come and tell you what's actually important. And the amazing thing is if you've got, you know, uh, a couple of hundred customers, you'll get a very quickly get a you know, quick understanding of what's important to your current customer base. Obviously, you want to try and align that with, um, you know, ROI and where, you know, the propensity for expansion opportunities or even, you know, um, you know increasing total addressable market is. But that's only, you know, part, a part of what you want to do, right? I mean, obviously, there's, there should be uh, an alignment on where new business is coming from as well as where you're, you know, keeping your cut current customers happy and you know to a certain extent there's a, a union in the in the um venn diagram of what's good for the new market and what's good for your customers right and the customers will be able to tell you how you can break into more of the market better and and you know easier i think that's a great that's a great point nav um if you are prioritizing new features for new customers over enhancing your 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 base features for your existing customers you're doing it wrong right we we <laughs> once again it's cheaper to keep your customers and the way you do that is you deliver functionality and and improvements to the product that yeah. benefit your customer base not your prospects we we see that you remember at Bayron going through level 1 we talk about uh, prospect preference Yep. Right when in 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 I I forget which uh, I I think it's under uh, thinking customer first so so the second the second course in in level one and we talk about that's a that's a, a can be a fatal that can be a fatal flaw in a company strategy is prioritizing prospect requirements over existing customer requirements make them feel home if they're already at home yeah right yeah. <laughs> Once again, I like playing, that. That's a good way of putting that. Yeah, we're playing a long game, right? The hard part Why was getting they, them into your house. <laughs> pardon? Exactly. The hard part was getting them into your house. Now just make them feel like they're home. Yeah, now we need to keep them. And we're not going to keep them if they don't believe that we're listening to them and if we're, we're, not, we're not producing the products and services that they need to continue to thrive and, gain, and get value out of whatever, out of whatever we're, we're, we're selling. And yeah, it makes you feel really good as a customer when you know that you invest time on giving feedback and you answer questions. And, and then there's a couple of, there, there will always be a period of time where you need to work on that feedback. 
but at least you will get back to the customer and say, okay, this has been implemented, or this will be implemented, or this will not be implemented and give the reasons why. But it's nice to feel like part of part of something. And, and that's what I also like about feedback. But what questions, are there any top three, four, five questions that you will suggest a customer success manager to always keep on, on their mind when it comes to collecting feedback? Or is it more not about questions, it's more about a mindset? I think it's it's more about a mindset. It's more about a method. I, I, I think that, you know, first of all, the thing you need to, you know, to do this right, you need mm-hmm. to have a unified feedback strategy. So you, right. you need to, you know, I, I can't stress enough the importance of having a consistent framework, whatever that is. I mean, you, just like with our with our training programs, we, we don't necessarily t- say, here's how you should do it. We say, here's how you should approach it. Here's how you should think about it, right? We're, we're trying to help people think better about customer success. So having a consistent framework for collecting feedback across the various touch points to ensure you're comparing apples to apples and you're not missing out on any crucial insights, um, I, would, I would start simple. I would kick off with low-cost, high-impact methods like mm. follow-up emails after support interactions or yeah. quick pulse surveys, post-interaction, or even feedback from, uh, from you know, embedding things into your product or service like, you know, using uh, products like Intercom or Pendo uh, to, 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 to do quick things. Hey, can you answer this one question? Um, I think that every CSM should use every customer interaction as an opportunity for feedback. Right, so this could be during onboarding, it could be regular check-ins, or even exit interviews when a customer decides to churn. Which is, if if you are not getting information um, from your customers who decide to churn, you are missing a huge opportunity. And even if you got to hire mm-hmm. a third party to have that discussion, it it provides immense value. Um, <laughs> I think that you need to empower your front line. You need to your support team is on the front lines and they hear the good, the bad and the ugly every day. So you need to you know, you want to set up a system that makes it easy for them to funnel customer sentiment back to the decision makers and this could be once again something as simple as a Slack channel. Um and and you can do this you can do these things and you can start off, you know, without making a huge investment in a feedback management platform, right? So you can um Use things like Google Forms or SurveyMonkey yeah. for assessments or Trello for tracking customer feedback trends and issues. And then as you grow, you look for specialized tools like Qualtrics or Topbox or UserVoice that can provide automated and integrated feedback into the customer's journey. Or for a more integrated approach, use platforms like Client Success or Catalyst or Churn Zero to blend feedback with customer usage patterns and give you kind of this. 360 degree view of customer health and also you want to make sure to consider uh, social listening on platforms like X and G2 Crowd or LinkedIn. Use tools like Hootsuite or Sprout Social that can help you keep an ear to the ground with, without constant manual monitoring and, and, and when the volume of feedback gets too much to handle manually, it's time to look at CRM integrations that automatically will solicit, capture, and analyze that feedback, right? Salesforce is a great example with its extensive app marketplace. Actually, one of the first times that, one of the first situations where we used a, a, where I used a customer-driven feedback mechanism, and I don't even know if this product's on their platform anymore. I don't know if you remember, they had this uh, product called Ideas, and you would be able to log in and throw an idea up, and then other 
users could upvote it. And we used to use that all the time to wow. make some determinations on on how to prioritize things. Uh, and Andrew, in the, it's so in the, easy for the customer. It's just like yeah, quick. you make exactly that's, that's the thing. You gotta make it easy, easy. right? I want your feedback, but if getting your feedback requires you to answer a 25-question uh, survey or sit on a call or blah, 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 whatever it is. Or write, and, write a business case. Or write a – exactly, <laughs> right? That's a pain in the ass. You know, so like, like – uh, so we're, we're a HubSpot user, and HubSpot has this uh, – has a really straightforward – if you've got a suggestion, I can go into this area in HubSpot and I can say, hey, I really wish that this field would, you know, default to X, Y, and Z. And then people can go in there, other users can go in there, and they can upvote it. And I get a message that, that every time it gets upvoted, I get a message, hey, somebody liked your idea. Right? Same, same right. concept as the Salesforce idea. You know? And then you know, once, once, you, and once you get to this point where you've got so much volume, it's, it's important that you take a step back and, and have an internal discussion on when it's the right time to invest in more sophisticated systems. And that's typically when the the volume and complexity of feedback make manual analysis impractical. I can't, I can't keep doing this in Google Sheets. I can't keep doing this in, in, in Excel or what have you. But you do not have to spend a whole lot of money and implement a bunch of systems to get this thing started. <laughs> and you did touch already in scaling voice of the customer because... I mean, don't go that crazy. Start slow, but at some point you will have to think about the future and scaling this because um, once this is done right, customer will feel really comfortable to start to start talking to you. And if you make it easy, if there's a lot of um, channels where that can come through, if there if you close the loop, but you actually get you know you get back to them and they feel hurt, they they will spend some time. Just oh yeah. Make it easy. So true. Yeah. But we still have one more challenge. Although you already went a step ahead and you're okay. touching the scaling, we do have one more challenge. So what is this challenge? It's about implementing the feedback with a change management mindset. But wait, what do I mean with this? Now, if you have worked in a sales-oriented mindset company, I used to work in a product-led centric company. And when we are in those scenarios and someone implements a voice of the customer for the first time, it, it is different. It is complicated to actually bring in an idea in, to the table and show the people why we should implement this versus start working on new features on, on improving the product with, that, with what we think is good. So this introduction is to ask the following question. Um, when it comes to ch change management and resistance, what strategies or recommendations would you give to that one person who's going through this scenario right now? So <clears throat> the first thing you, you touched on this is, you know, right, right out of the gate, right? Let's, let's get Oops. real with the fact that not everybody's going to be on board with change, yeah. right? Yeah. It's yeah. like trying to convince your grandparents to use a smartphone, right? <laughs> some, some folks are just not, they're set in their ways, right? Some are, some are, yeah. Yeah. Some, some are. Yeah. Well, in my, my mom uses a an iPhone, and so I, 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 I don't know how you qualify the term use, but uh, <laughs> you, know, you know, which is cool. That's fine. They're setting so their ways, cool, yeah. right? But you want to you want to rally the troops by reminding them what's good for the customers, good for the business, right? 
make customer happiness a shared goal, not just a departmental one. And this honestly should be something that, that trickles down from the top. Um, but but you can't depend just on the top. So there are things that you should be doing from a customer success perspective. Um, you know, we, we talked about the empathy, right? Um, yeah. you, you can't just show up and you can't just show up and throw up, hey, hey, the customer wants X, Y, and Z, right? So you want to, when you, when you bring numbers to the table, you want to make sure they tell a story. Like, hey, see how these tweaks could save us hours and make our customers smile, right? That's a, that's a, that's a double win, right? You want you want to get the right people in your corner, right? So grab coffee with an influencer on your yeah. team, get them to see mm-hmm. what you're seeing, and right? Happy, right? Happy, yeah. This is once again yeah. empathy, right? How do I? And then also grabbing coffee with people on the other teams, right? It's this is as much about building relationships and getting them to trust you, right? Once again. In customer success, part of our job is, hey, I need to. I'm going to do everything I can to understand your business, um, Mr. or Mrs. Customer, right? And and I'm going to establish a relationship with you. I'm going to communicate effectively with you. We should, and and by doing that, I'm going to, as I better understand what's important to you, and yep. what your desired outcomes uh, are. Uh, and 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 recognize the importance of those, and we begin to have this conversation, this ongoing conversation, this collaboration. You, as the customer, are going to begin to trust me more, right? We're mm-hmm. going to be establishing this relationship. It's the same activity that you're doing teams. with your peers as well, and then it works. Yeah, and we also want to. We want to. We want to. You know, everybody loves a quick win. So find something small to fix and make some noise about it. It's like fixing a leaky faucet at home, right? It stops being annoying, or it stops my family from annoying me, and you feel like a hero. And and sometimes you need to break things down, right? It'll barista style, right? This this change is like switching from whole milk to oat, right? It's better for everyone and might just be the new favorite. The other thing is to find a feedback champion, right? Pick somebody to be the face of the change. It's like having a workout buddy that keeps you motivated and accountable. And uh, I think it's important, and you want to always want to be getting everybody on, on the bus and facing the right direction. So get different departments to join the feedback party, right? More minds, more ideas, and it's harder for naysayers to, to brush it off. But really, the, at the end of the day, the success stories sell. Right, so use past wins as proof. Remember when we changed the checkout process and sales went up? This could be our next big moment. But you, you know, somebody's going to push back, so you have to have. You got to be prepared, right? You've got to have your comebacks ready, right? Keep it friendly but firm, like convincing a friend to try sushi for the first time, <laughs> right? And then when changes roll out, be there to help. Offer guides and Q and As and help desk. It's like giving somebody a map. Uh, to a new city, and it's so important. Like I said before, you want to want to keep score, right? So when something works, you want to put it up on the scoreboard. Look how response times have dropped since we made that change, and 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 don't give up. Keep at it, even when it feels like you're sailing against the wind, right? Change is a marathon, not a sprint, and that persistence pays off. And you generate momentum as well. Exactly. Yeah. I think in environments where, you know, the organization is product-led or it's uh, B2C especially, it's so important to actually understand what the customers want. And uh, my wife actually does uh, this. Um, I like to joke that she does what I do, but for B2C. Um, but uh, essentially what she, you know, what she realized that works really well in the market is to start to do like experimentation about, you know, what 
you want to try out of the market based on what you're hearing and seeing what actually gives you the best result. And um, that sort of mentality is really difficult to bring into an organization that's been, you know, working in a certain way for God knows how long. Um, but it's it's starting, like, I think, I think yeah, even when I was trying to get, like, things like product um, advisory boards and things into place, starting really small to show the impact that then, you know, gives you the momentum to grow it properly internally. But, you know, as with anything that you try to do with, you know, from a change perspective um, internally, it always starts with, like, you know, having having a quick small win proving the concepts and then, you know, showing the data to be given the carte blanche on doing whatever else you want to do with it. Yeah, exactly. And the story is important, right? The narrative is important, right? Once again, back to what I said at the beginning, you don't just show up and throw up, here's what the customer wants. I want you to tell a story. Yeah. Here's what's important to our customer and here's why. I'm going to tell you a little story (laughs) about this customer and the way they do business. And I want to explain to you why this feature which, by the way, is something that is requested by 30% of our customer base, making up X amount of revenue. The other thing is attach a revenue number to it. Yeah. It's amazing yeah, what kind of traction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's amazing what kind of traction you get when you throw money into the yeah. equation, right, into the narrative. By the way, you know, we're talking about, you know, 60% of our revenue or 60% upside. Yeah, money talks. Yeah, yeah money, money talks. talks. Money talks. And... You know, we, I love what you guys you're saying because it's a lot about be strategic, not only with your customer, but also internally be strategic. And this is why I love a lot of, um, you know, voice of the customer and and uh, voice of the customer framework and feedback because it's not only about, I want to hear what you say and this is what the customer says. One strategy that I used to, to implement when I was with this customer voice of the customer framework is that I actually grab and created a story using the words that the customer was using and that worked really well that worked really well that's so incredibly it, powerful not only for your for your product team who likely has some exposure to or hopefully has some exposure to <laughs> you know what your products are doing hopefully. but what's also what what's what's also really powerful about that is when you go back to the customer and say, "Hey, by the way, we're you know I proposed X, Y, and Z, and I, and I mean you're saying it to them in their language. Actually, even before you propose it, you know one of the one of the key uh, skills in customer success is active listening, and one of the uh, the tools that you use in active listening is restating what the customer has said to yeah. you in your own in your own um, your own language, but." Uh, uh, you know, being able to go back and make sure that that you know, in you're you're repeating to them in their language um, what it is they're asking for is is incredibly powerful. Yeah, actually, that's in lesson number two when talking to different uh, customers and their personalities, especially those that want crazy things. It's like actually repeat what they're saying because you that way you confirm that it's right and and it makes feel like okay they're listening to me yeah. and love it. Perfect. I wish we could continue talking about customer success and voice of the customer and go deeper, but it's time to wrap up. And I know people need more time to listen to the other episodes, so we have to respect that. But Andrew, thank you very much for being here with us today. Uh, you're welcome. Thank you for thank you for having me. And if you want to find out more about uh, about what we do and and uh, and our programs, check out successcoaching.co. 
We also do, by the way, a lot of, we develop also a lot of content uh, in front of the, the paywall. So uh, I invite mm. anybody who wants to uh, participate uh, in our, our twice monthly webinars. We've got one on, on leadership. We've got one on, uh, uh, on, uh, uh, on for individual contributors. Uh, mm -hmm. You can find out all about that at successcoaching.co under our events tab. So uh, I appreciate you having me. It's uh, it, it it's different. I'm used to being the one facilitating the conversation, <laughs> so I, I like. Right? I, I really do enjoy being on the other side the other of this. As you can table. tell. Yep. Yeah. No, it's awesome. Thank you. Thanks for inviting amazing. me. Thanks Thank for you having so me. much for for having uh, for being here and uh, amazing stuff with the success coaching things. And uh, I completely recommend anybody who's you know at any stage in their CS career to go and check it out. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Definitely. everybody. Go check it out. You will see the about section, all the information. And um, yeah, take care, have a nice, positive day. And remember, keep learning, keep growing, and let's keep improving the world of customer success. Until next time.